turn your Bibles. You'll only be in one space. We'll be all over this book, but it'll be pretty easy. If you know how to count one to four, you'll be able to follow me. So go to Philippians chapter one. Go to Philippians chapter one. That's the only place we will be. I'll, I'll mention a few different verses throughout our morning and our time together, but I want you to see God's Word. If you're not used to having a Bible open, um, let the morning be the first time you do it. There's Bibles all around you. Sneak a peek on the person beside you if you didn't bring one, but I want you to see God's Word. As David said, there's some faces here that we might not have seen before. My name is Pastor Hunter. Um, Right now, we are in a series, um, which is just three weeks, and it is literally the blessings of the church. If you're anything like me, I was not raised in the church. I don't, didn't know the blessings of the church. The church is just something you did, and it's what people who believed in God did on Sunday mornings, but it really wasn't so much a blessing more than it was just something you needed to do, you had to do, give reverence to the Creator, but it was not like a passion and a love of mine in any way. And we're going to be spending three weeks, this is week two, on just teaching about how the gospel literally flows through the local church. We have the church. We have Christians who walk this earth that we are brothers and sisters with in Africa and all over the world, but we have the local church, which is where you are this morning. Follow me in Philippians 1, verses 3 through 6. And then we're going to pray for our time together and jump feet in. Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, 
Now, Paul is speaking to a church who he loves, who he endures with, who he prays for. He is in prison. He is writing them to continue their faithful journey. He says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, making requests for you, all with joy. For your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, I love your church. This is a passion of mine that I could preach literally a year straight. Every Sunday, every Wednesday, every Sunday, every Wednesday. Just my passion for the local church. I have seen how you've transformed families here. I have seen how you've transformed men and women here, young and old, black and white, young children, mothers and fathers. I have seen it. I have seen how your gospel and what what your son accomplished on the cross flowing through a church like Eastview in a small town like Huntington, Tennessee has accomplished. I've seen it. I've experienced it and I want more of it. I love every visitor's face that I see in today because I want them to love your local church that spreads your gospel throughout the ends of the earth. I want them to know this. I want them to see this. For our members here, as we talk about how to sustain, I pray that these simple, basic messages of what a healthy church looks like takes deep root in them and flourishes for years to come. Protect this church. Grow this church. Sustain this church. In your precious name, the church says in harmony, amen. How to grow and sustain a healthy church. Now, my wife and I, during the last two months, we've been homeowners for 17, 18 years, two homes here in Huntington. I'm from Jackson. She's from all over the place. She was a pastor's kid, so we don't really know where she was actually raised. Depends on when you talk to her and ask her. We've been homeowners for about 18 years, and during the last two months, we've probably done more work on our home in the last two months than we've done in the last 18 years. For the lack of maturity and maybe wisdom, I have really taken any little inch of extra money I've had, and we have gone places. I don't really care about new tires or a roof when it's probably needed. Um, I want to see a place I've never seen before. So if you want to tick me and get me to a space or or try to lead me in a direction, all you got to do is, hey, Hunter, have you ever thought about going to and just leave that hanging and I will probably be there within a month or so. Australia seems awesome. I want to go to Israel, Hawaii, any island I haven't been to. It's not hard to get me to bite on that bait. So for my family and I, they will tell you, man, we have been adventurers. We go and we see, but in the midst of all of this, at times, um, there might be a lack of maturity there. Because every once in a while, you might need to trade Disney for new tires, right? And so Brad gives me a hard time. (laughs) He'll go, hey, bro, I mean, your tires are literally, you're ice skating out there. And I was like, hey, man, I'm not driving. I'm flying everywhere I go. 
right? But hey, it's been stacking up on us. It's been stacking up, and my wife and I have been talking like, sooner or later, you know, somebody's going to fall through this roof, right? And I can't get Jacob Malone to give me one. He, that will not happen. I've tried. So Wendy and I are talking. We had this list, this chalkboard, and the list went from like one thing to another to another. And we finally said, hey, listen, this is the time. Go ahead and do it. We got to go, right? So we've moved forward. We've done more work in the last two months than the last 18 years. Poured a ton of money, a ton of time, all this energy into all of these things. We're very comforted by the things. We're very thankful for them. We're proud of the work the people have done. But here's the thing. If any of y'all came to my house and they said, hey, he's really built up all of this stuff. Let's go see what they have done, the Joneses, so we can keep up with them. Here's the reality. None of you, if you came to my house today with all of it completed the right way and done well and already blessed us, none of you would be able to even guess what we got done. None of you would be like, hey, listen, is it me or do you have new gutters? Because those gutters are gorgeous looking. None of you would know this. We still have the same furniture that we got when we were married, holes and stains and everything. And if you came in here, none of you would say, hey, I know you didn't come out and just say it, Hunter, but I'm pretty sure I can feel a new AC unit. Is that right? None of you would know. I'm very happy because I looked at my wife with these four kids and I said, hey, um, I don't know. Do we have a termite plan? You know, I don't know. We've been so busy going to, to Disney and Destin. I don't know if we've ever thought about maybe that's something that's needed. So I called them over there. They put out all those things and did all this stuff. And I wrote that big check. And now we are covered in that way, right? So if termites come after us, we're good. We got new gutters. We got an AC unit. We are covered from pest issues. We got a new roof, guys. None of it being a wow factor. None of it is literally you're driving by and going, hey, have you noticed? None of you would even know. However, all of those things that we got done, man, they really bring us comfort. As you get older, man, I'm really proud of that new AC unit. I'm really proud of it. I'm really thankful for those gutters. I just look at them sometimes. Just look how white they are for the moment, the time being. They set us up for success in the future. Now, during these three weeks that we have our time together with how to grow and sustain a healthy church, it's very much doing the same. Like, I want you to understand that everything that I said last week and say this week and say next week None of it will probably be wow material that you see as you drive by that blows your mind. Very few of you are going to get in the car today with tears in your eyes going, man, I just never thought of it this way. None of you are probably going to do that. But this is what's going to sustain us. These aren't the destined trips. This isn't Disney. This is what mature families do. They make sure the roof is good and able and the AC works and termites won't come for them. Because I have an obligation, as a member, you have an obligation to make sure that this church is not just blessing us, but the community and honoring the kingdom for years to come. So how do you grow and sustain 
a healthy church. Now, we said last week, if you weren't here, that the first thing you got to do is keep Christ first. There are so many things, and you said, Hunter, that's obvious. That's a no-brainer. I I get this, but how many of you, I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you have been a part of a church that said, man, Christ was not the center? It was more about the pastor, and it was more about the youth group. It was more about the music. It was more about the money. Like, I did not feel Jesus being while we were there. How many of you have felt that in the local church? But listen to me. Even though there are so many aspects that are important in the church, the youth group is important. Music is important. Money is important. All of these things are important. But keeping Christ first. He is our leader. He is why we are here. He is our purpose. He is our worship. That will sustain us for the future. But here's the thing and what we will speak about today. Even with Christ being the center, we have to realize that we are still in the building. And as long as you and I are still in the building, there's potential problems for the now and the future. Now, 2020, I think this was the first sermon series when we got off that hill and we came back inside. If my memory is right, I believe we were going through Philippians. Do you remember this series? 2020, I think it was about two months, we went through every word of this book. Do you remember Paul being in prison? And do you remember that in the New Testament, Paul wrote to many churches and many places of his ministry, but the church, the Philippian church, was the one church that he had no correction for. This church, he just loved, and he poured into them, and he encouraged them. He was thankful for them, and he says, continue, continue, continue. But he understood the reality of how hard it was to do what was needed to be done together. Look at verses 7 through 11. We read 3 through 6. Keep going. I want this to sink in if you were here with us last year. Just as it is right for me to thank this of you all, because I have you in my heart, in so much as both you and my heart, my chains in the defense of the confirmation of the gospel, you are my partakers with me of grace. What a compliment. For God is my witness how greatly I long for you with all of the affections of Jesus Christ. So Paul is in jail. He has his one phone call. He puts his letter in a bottle. He chunks it out there to his local church. And he goes, man, while I am in here rotting away, my mind literally rests on how much I love the people of my church. Keep going. And this I pray. This is what I pray in my jail cell, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense till the day of Christ's return, being filled with the fruits of righteousness which are by Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God." So Paul will go on in Philippians and he will pour into this church our mission statement. 
He will talk about identity. You know those verses that we spoke about. To live is Christ, to death is gain. Do you remember that from last year? He talked about mission. He said, strive for the gospel even in the midst of suffering. But our mission statement, if you don't know, is identity. And it is mission, but it is community. It is fellowship. And he talks about how difficult this is to do with one another. Look at Philippians chapter 2. I want you to see this. Even with God, Christ in the center, we are still under the roof. And Paul knows these things. Listen to what he says to this phenomenal, healthy church. Verses 1 through 4. Therefore, if there is any consolation of Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and mercy, fulfill my joy by being like-minded, church. Highlight it. You should have highlighted it from last last time around. Fulfill my joy by being like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than themselves. Verse 4, let each of you look out not only for his own interest, but also the interest of others. Now, Now go just a little forward. I want you to see 14 through 16. Paul continues this thought. Do all things without complaining. And disputing with one another, that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. So Paul says here, don't bicker, don't fuss, don't bring your drama and conflict in the church in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, among whom will shine as lights in the world, holding fast the world, the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I might not run in vain or labor in vain. How do you sustain the blessing of the local church which Christ died for and gave us? You make him the sinner and you love truly those around you. Now hear me, church. If you are in the South and you are here today, I'm sure this is not your first time walking into a church. And I will tell you, I have known local churches, phenomenal local churches that really strived and did well with putting Christ in the center. But man, I would have a hard time believing if there has ever been a church that perfected loving each other well. Like I want you to realize, take a second, get out of sermon mode. I want you to realize, even in a group like this, in good old Huntington, Tennessee, how hard that actually is to do. For one to two hours where I'm doing most of the talking, how hard that is to accomplish. In this room right now, we have different ages, we have different views, we have different backgrounds, we have different raisings. We have different preferences. We have different personalities. We have different levels of education and understanding of the gospel and scripture. We have different desires and passions and struggles. 
We have mental health issues here. We have brokenness here. We have the saved here. We have the lost here. We have the old here. We have the young here. We have current struggles that came in this morning. And we have people who are strong this morning. Some of you dragged your body in here in the midst of all the things that you have going in life. And some of you guys whistled and skipped into this place. And we have everybody under the same roof with the same charge to do the most important thing in our life. Honestly, guys, it is too easy to dislike each other. When someone comes up to me and says, hey, Hunter, I'm sorry to be like this, but I am very frustrated with, I usually say, like, what took you so long? Like, I've been frustrated with that for a long time. I'm surprised it took you this long to get to me. We are too easy to dislike. We are too easy to be annoyed with. We are too easy to be frustrated with. What we are doing here this morning on paper is a disaster waiting to happen. And Paul knows this. Paul knows this. Do you remember the two women? Look at chapter 4. Do you remember the two women, Eudia and Sintich? You're like, of course, Hunter, I remember Sintich. Of course I do. She's one of my favorite characters of the Bible. Do you remember these two women in chapter 4, these two faithful women who love the Lord, who follow Jesus, who support Paul, but, man, they are done with one another? Do you remember these two ladies from last year? Look at verses 2 through 5. Paul says, now remember, like, this church is still doing phenomenal. He's not getting on to them, like, continue, continue, continue. But he says, guys, listen to me. I implore you to you. And I implore Sintite to be of the same mind, to be in the Lord with one another. And I urge you also, true companion, help these women. Help these women who labor with me in the gospel. Man, they're awesome ladies, right? With Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. He says, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Church, hear me out, please. To live in community with one another is extremely difficult. But the reason that Paul is pouring this into the local church, because he loves them, he desires for them to continue, but he knows at what's stake. See, Paul talks about the local church being a lighthouse, but he's making this statement in the charge of loving one another because he knows what will happen if that lighthouse goes dim. I want you to take a second, and I want you to think about your own personal journey and how you were raised in the church and your family's views on the church and what your experience was of the local church. I sit with a ton of people And we are talking about their spiritual journey and a lot of our conversations go to the church and I can't tell you how many testimonies and stories and trauma that I hear concerning the damage which was done by the church. 
the conflict that they experienced in the church, the drama that was brought into the church, fallen pastors and leaders and deacons and the splits that happened in church. I hear from everyone how a church has either propelled them or stunted them. And what I see, and at times they don't always recognize what you experience in your local church literally influences so much of your individual walk with your creator. Paul knows this. And he tells the people to be lights and that the church is the lighthouse. Hear my words, church. Paul knows the power of the local church. He knows the influence of the local church. He knows the blessings of the local church. He knows the potential of the local church, but also the harm if the people under the roof don't light the house up. Listen to John 13. Just hear my words. What so many of our churches forget. John 13, 34 says, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another, 35, by this, how you treat one another, how you show grace to one another, how you love your brothers by this. All will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. The strength, the grace, the harmony, the fellowship, the community, the worship of the local church will give evidence to the community, the broken, the drifted, the lost, the hurting, that Jesus Christ is real and worth following. The people under the roof. Now, there was a time in ministry where my wife, God bless her, um, if you know myself and, and my wife, my wife was a pastor's daughter and she has 39 years with ministry experience. She grew up in that type of home. She saw the good and the bad outside the church and inside the church. So I am the leader 24-7. I am loud. I am aggressive. I am the driver. I am the visionary. And my wife is this, this wise little, little speech and talk and guidance in my ear at times when I need it. And there was a moment of frustration in ministry for me. Um, some things have really gotten under my skin. And guys, that is hard to get under my skin. But um, this situation found a way to get under it. And I saw like every day, I don't know if you've ever been here, it got worse. And annoyance turned into frustration, turned into anger, which turned into aggression, which turned into unhappiness. And then my mind was just like, you know what? You're worth me going after now. Like, I'm upset, it's not getting better, and my heart just got angrier and angrier and angrier until my wife and her, and her soft word came to me. He said, Hunter, I'll never forget this, a few years ago. Hunter, you are called as a pastor to lead boldly. I said, I know this. I am trying my best. She said, you're called to lead boldly. You're called to teach to all. You're called to teach to the individual who comes in here with a seminary degree and the visitor who knows nothing past Genesis. You're called to speak, to resonate, and to engage all of those people. I go, I know this. You are called to pray and shepherd your people, Wendy tells me. You are called to serve sacrificially, my wife tells me. I said, I know all of these things. She says, but for the sake of the people, hear me out. 
You are called to be a peacekeeper. For the sake of the church and for the sake of the children and the marriages and the families and the visitors and the young and old, the people of this body, you are called to be a peacekeeper. I consider myself a very peaceful person, but I am probably not the best peacekeeper. There's a difference. There is a difference. And she tells me, and I look at my wife often, this is one of her strengths and one of my downfalls. She will run after the people that I run away from. And I will sit there with her and I'll go, woman, like enough's enough. Like dust your feet on and let's go. Like why do you keep reaching out? We are called to be a peacekeeper. You know why? Because my relationship, my relationship with David Evans directly impacts the growth of Briley Douglas. Because if there is tension and there is conflict and there is drama and there are issues, and there are problems, and there are anger relationships driven within the church. It impacts everybody. And then ends up pouring into all people around. Let me ask you, are you a peacekeeper of this church? Do you strive for peace with individuals? Because you know the, little, the local church and the mission and the purpose is bigger than your point. Hear me. The purpose and the mission and the blessings of the local church is bigger than your frustration. It's bigger than your point or your agenda or your preference. This is a blessing from Christ. Are you called and are you faithful keeping it peaceful because your knowledge of this, Hebrews 12, 14, strive for peace with everyone. Strive for peace with everyone. And for the holiness without which no one will see the Lord. God's plan here on earth is through the local church. And if we bring all of our personal preferences and all of our personal drama and all of our personal conflict and agendas, then we end up mirroring the world and driving people away from the Lord. James 3.18, and a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Is that the church that you grew up in? Take a second. Lunch is coming. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. Are you a peacekeeper? I sit with so many people who have joined the church here at Eastview. Every single person who's joined Eastview that's in this room right now, unless you came before me, I've sat with you. And I start talking to them and I'll ask them certain questions. What drew you here? And why do you want to be a member here? And what makes sense to you? And what do you enjoy? And I hear an array of things. Man, our, our music really stirs my affections. I love all the little kids running around the place. I love the vision. The teaching has blessed me in so many ways. I hear a lot of wonderful things about this church, but there is one thing that I hear across the board consistently, and that is this. There is a genuine community 
fellowship and love with one another. I hear that across the board. When I walk into this place, David mentioned it, when I walk into this place, yes, there's annoyances. Yes, there's a frustrations. Yes, there's preferences that are not met. But man, you guys seem to love one another. And through that love, what we saw in John, I'm looking at this and I'm a part of it. And man, my eyes are on Christ because I know you guys are not capable of what he has done in you. So there must be something real. I can't tell you, just men, I can't tell you how many men, I love this because men are at times harder to bait. I can't tell you how many men have come up here with walls and just, I don't know if I'm for this. And they have just fallen in love with the church. They have fallen in love with the church because they have seen community and they have seen harmony and they have seen love for one another and it all points to what Christ has done in this church. As we start to close, don't don't shut your Bibles yet. Church is very much like the family. The strengths of this body depends on who's under the roof. Hear me. The strengths depends on who's under that roof. We as people, if we keep Christ first, founded on the gospel, and love one another, then that will pour into our children, flow into the community, and honor the kingdom. But if not... If we make this about us, and we make this about preferences, and we make this about annoyances and frustrations, we will lose sight, and the church will become just as much as the problem as the world is. Man, if, you have, if you're a note taker, here's a simple word. Choose to love one another. If you're in Brad Douglas's Sunday school class, he spoke about our word, so this was a double dose. So if any of you guys cause problems, we're going to point back to this day. You remember May 16th? We told you twice. Keep your issues at home. Choose to love one another. Choose not to say it. Hear me. Choose not to say it. Stop your criticalness. Stop. Quiet with all of your judgment and harshness and critical nature. Show grace. Why? Because you have been given grace and desperately in need of it. You don't want all of the judgment and harshness and criticalness to be poured onto you that you pour onto another. So choose not to say it. Keep your opinions and harshness and criticalness to yourself and pray to the Lord. God, remove that. Hear me out. Some of you in this church, man, you're harsh and you're critical and you have way too many opinions. Pray, God, take that away from me and keep my eyes on the cross for the betterment of the church because I want to see Briley Douglas turn into a 40-year-old who blesses his place and I don't want my conflict To hurt that, realize that you should show grace and mercy and love to your neighbor because you yourself have been given it and desperately in need of it. But we're going to end here. I want you to see it. Go to Philippians 2. This is how we close. I want you to see it. 
This is so awesome and so phenomenal. If you see the big picture and you piece it together like a puzzle. So Paul is starting this from jail and saying, guys, I, man, I love you. I'm encouraged by you. You guys are filling me up. If I had one thing I could do, I would go back and be with you to live as Christ. Do you remember that? He goes, listen, I want to be with Jesus, but man, I want to keep serving and walking with you. He loves these people. And then he says, Fulfill my joy and be like-minded. He knows that these people have to stick together, that if they fall apart, their light-bearer images will fall with them. And he says, this is the greatest way to keep a church focused. Look at verse 5 through 11. Hang on every single word to get all of our preferences and all of our anger and all of our conflict away. Look at these verses. Sandwiched right there in the middle. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. So he's not just saying, close your mouth and turn the other cheek. He's saying, focus on Christ, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but he made himself of no reputation, taking the form of bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. So Paul's pouring the gospel. He says, listen, you guys aren't capable of doing what needs to be done, but Christ is. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. Therefore, verse 9, God also highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every other name, that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee should bow of these in heaven and those on earth and those underneath the earth, and that every tongue should confess Jesus Christ as Lord to the glory of God the Father. Church, as we close, remember my words. To go at war with one another is way easier than showing grace and loving one another. That is what the enemy is trying to do. That is what the world has experienced, and that is what most of us expect. To sustain this blessing of a church Keep Christ-centered, love the people around you, keep your eyes on the cross. This is what will grow us. This is what will sustain us for the future. Let's bow our heads. God, we thank you for today. Lord, we thank you for the gift, your present of the local church. We know when you died on a cross, Lord, you, you left us many gifts. You gave us the Holy Spirit. You gave us scripture, you gave us history and your word, and you gave us the local church. This is something to be seen as sacred ground and loved and thought of as precious. God, help us sustain it. Help us nurture it. Help us pour into it. Help us grow it. God, I pray that if anybody in this room today does not know the church like we spoke of the church, that they literally are interested in the gift that you've given us in it. That your gospel that flows through the local church is an amazing blessing. The love that we have for one another, the community which all points to what your son accomplished on the cross. Blood was shed for the community of the local body. Lord, I pray that we literally nurture the precious gift of the church. 
If someone here does not know you as their Lord and Savior, and they have not loved the church, and they don't know the Spirit, and they want to know more about your word, Lord, I pray that today that they see and they hear the good word and the good news you've been able to accomplish through your body. Be with our members. Protect us. Protect us. Forgive us. Forgive me. As the leader of this church, forgive me. Forgive me for my frustration at times, my anger at times, my conflict at times. Lord, help me be a peacekeeper. Help me be a peacekeeper for the sake of the people and help the people be a peacekeeper for the sake of me. In your precious and holy name, the church says, Amen.